I'm Kai Gabian, the CEO of Maison Mocha. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have my friend all the way from the UK. You could also say all the way to from Togo, Kai. Yep. Here, I just did her show, folks, and I had to remind her she hasn't done mine yet. So you have to have a fair exchange, and she has Macy on Mocha, and she's going to tell us all about her clothing company. That the links will be in the description box. You guys want some African clothing? It can be delivered from abroad. So no matter if you are in King's Cross, Leeds, Portugal, doesn't matter, or Brooklyn, Kai can hook you up. Kai, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Kellen, for having me on tonight because it's uh, eight o'clock, you know, here in the UK. But I'm so, so excited to be, you know, with you tonight. Well, thank you, because I know that, you know, uh, you have an earlier bedtime than me. I, I, the nighttime is when I really wake up. But <laughs> I, I, I wanted to get your story on how you created your clothing line and the why as well. So share with us your, your story of entrepreneurship and your clothing line. Well, I'll say the idea starts from me, you know, like the same when life throw uh, lemon at you, you make poor lemonade. I, I would say that's the start, you know, of the whole thing that actually make me so committed to my business because I started this business whilst I was working, but obviously I was giving more to my boss than my own business, if it makes sense. But once as you know, I had a car accident and then I wasn't able to go back to work, that kind of forced me, you know, to, to pay more attention to the business I started, which is my own business, if, if you are following what I'm saying. So the, the reason why I started the business is because I love African print. And, I, you know, I have different, different, you know, design. And people that I know, they always, you know, give me compliments and say, oh, hey, you know, it would be great if you start your own clothing line and you, you know, buy from you. So just smile. And then I'm like, okay, you know, enter the... I would say some weeks after that, there is just, uh, you know, this shop that is actually closing down. The business is closing down. So they were doing something similar to what I want to do. And then I bought everything. And that's how I started my business. And since, you know, I love African clothing, that's just like a way for me to showcase more our beautiful prints and what you can actually do different things we can do with it, but we don't only focus on African clothing. I'm a Christian, so faith play is like a major, major role in my life. So I have faith-inspired clothing as well and uh, accessories. So that's uh, the different things that we do. And explain the name for those who don't speak French. Um, you know, okay. I want you to go go deep. Sometimes I think Kai thinks, um, you know, we don't understand because maybe she just rolls into the French and she's like, did I say all that in French? Did you follow me? Um, but I, I feel the vibe. So explain, <laughs> translate the name for those who don't speak French. Right. Maison just mean house. So Mocha is just my first daughter name is Monique. And my name is Kai. 
So she's, she's also someone that is passionate about, you know, clothing and accessories. I just, you know, blend the two and make it house of mocha, maison mocha. So that's, that's what it means. Awesome. And you said, you know, you saw someone, you know, they were going out of business and you bought their stuff, but that yes. only lasts for so long. So then after oh, yeah. you got their inventory, are you making your stuff? Are you buying whole Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I cleared those things long time ago. <laughs> so I'm doing I'm doing my own things now. And uh, you know, I choose the design and I have the good thing is I only work with um, uh, designers that are back home. So in order to help them as well, whilst I'm helping myself. So that's you know, I believe in us winning together. So uh, that's why uh, I work with uh, designers from Togo at the moment. So they design it now. Are they also manufacturing it? Because I know that could be expensive to go from Africa to the UK. And, you know, of course, the customers, if they love it, it doesn't matter what it costs because it's art, but they're designing it. But who's manufacturing it? And how do you, you know, work with that in the distribution? The they do everything. So once um, everything is ready, you know, um, I, I work with uh, my brother that is over there and my sister. So they are the one that collect things and do the shipping. Or sometime when I'm there myself, I just saw everything else and bring it right here. Now, how does that work? Because I've heard from a lot of people who do overseas, even if it's China, which, you know, there's a direct line to China everywhere around the world. They they say we ran out of stuff. And sometimes you think, are they doing it just to have it in demand? But how do you deal with, especially during, you know, the pandemic that wow, I might not be able to get my shipments in. Did you make any adjustments? Give us your, you know, what happened and what's happening. <laughs> well, I'll say I'm a person that always like planning things ahead. So I always have like the things that I'm going to put, you know, on the sides for summer. I already have those things. So to be honest, that was what really, really helped and saved me because I have stuff that were known already on sale or the line, you know, online for people to know. So I wouldn't say like I really struggle when it comes to due to the pandemic to have my, uh, you know, stuff here on time. I didn't go through that, you know, hassle. So everything was good due to the fact that I already have those things that I have, you know, for the coming season already with me because, you know, I just hate waiting and going through stress. I try to do my best and put things in place. So that was what really saved me. And what about, you know, storage? Because we do this so people can be inspired to say, wait, I can do that too. And, you know, um, Americans, we're all overweight. But when you go to the UK, things are still, you know, still tight. You know, you even still have flats that don't have a lot of windows because of the old window tax, right? And so people are still living in, you know, 1629. But, oh, <laughs> but, but how, like, how do you deal with storage of all those things? Because I could hear someone saying, well, where's she storing it? Because you, you may need more room than you, you know, most people have in London. Uh, you know, I have some spare uh, space right here. So that's where I keep most of my 
items. So, you know, with that as well, I don't really have a problem. I keep everything, you know, <laughs> at home. Does that keep the guest away? Because you can, if you don't want someone to come, you know, African style, you really can't turn anybody away. But if they're like, do you have a space? Actually, I just got an inventory. I have no space, even packages on the couch, even on my bed. I mean, does that keep the, the guest away or does that keep them coming saying, hey, Kaia, I know you have some space because you have <laughs> material. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I love people. That's just me. So a space for the guests is always available for them. So that, you know, I don't, I don't kind of kicking them away due to the fact that I'm storing my products. So their space is safe downstairs. <laughs> Oh, okay, you guys heard that, that Kai loves people. You, I, I can't take house guests just sight unseen. I need a, I, I don't need that knock, knock, knock in bags. I need to know, because I might even put you up in a hotel because I need my space too. Now, with being an entrepreneur, when you hmm. jumped out on faith to say, look, I'm going to try this, did you keep your job or did you just say, you know what, I'm full-blown entrepreneur, sink or swim, me and my babies, we're going to eat on this, and that's it? I kept my job till, you know, life happened. So, I, you know, I couldn't go back to work. So, uh, I think I'll answer perfectly your question. Though, you know, I started my business, I didn't keep my job. Okay. And with keeping your job, did it make you even more of a hungrier entrepreneur? Because you, while you're at your job, you're thinking about your business 24 seven. And it's almost like a kid ready, ready for recess or ready to get out of school and just make that run. Like, how was that feeling while working? And are you still in that current position? Um, no, thankfully I'm no longer working. So I'll say that's the stage that really plays, you know, a massive role in me being uh, fully committed to my business because whilst I was working, you know, my attention will say, uh, I would say was divided in between the two things. So the one that is mine, I kind of neglecting that because, you know, I'm my own boss. So it's not like somebody's, you have to meet this target, you have to meet that target. So I'm more loyal and we like that to, my job than my business but right now because you know I'm no longer working my full attention is to build my brand as a mocha now I want to go somewhere and this is just for the ladies and you guys have to understand like Kai I, I know Kai so I, there are certain questions I could ask and be like ah not that's really not for the podcast but I do want to ask a personal question of you know because I know I know that you're 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 single and when going from someone who is working to a full-blown entrepreneur do you think mm -hmm. that the these high value men were more um welcoming or did they run from you saying wait you want to you want to be maybe as successful as me. Did you find that your dating life, um, w w did it help? Or did you find that men were intimidated? Well, so far, I wouldn't say the, the one that, that approached me, uh, uh, you know, intimidated because of what I'm doing. But I would rather say, I would say, you know, they're more attracted to me 
because of the type of woman I am. So, you know, I don't have uh, that competition kind of uh, type of men around me, so, which is a very, you know, uplifting and uh, very positive thing. Okay, no, that, that's good to know. I just wanted to know, and really what I was trying to do, folks, uh, on the previous interview that I just went live, I mentioned high value, and Kai, she, she wanted to stop me there, and she didn't want to get all the smoke from, you know, those, <laughs> those of you who now are saying, wait, I'm high value, like you're just waking up to your value because of what another person said. And we love everybody, you know that, but I, I just have to tease because I can, I'm in a position to tease. And I, and I also wanted to help people to understand that don't let anybody put a value on you, you're priceless. What do you think as an entrepreneur thus far has been the biggest lesson? Biggest lesson, I would say, you have to, to understand that your, your success depends you know, entirely on how committed you are to your business. So if you treat it like, oh, you know, uh, if I don't meet this target, it's okay. Next year, I'll, you know, I'll be able to, to make, you know, with that mindset, you can quickly pack and go home if, if you follow what I'm saying. But you really have to know that the success of whatever you're doing depends entirely on you and you know how much you are prepared to you know pour into that for it to grow and at the level you want it to grow at. So that that would be the lesson I I'll say I've learned. So everything you know is rely completely on your shoulder is on your shoulder. So treat it as if I don't do this, I don't meet this target I'm setting for myself. I will be fired. And then that will give you, personally, that gives me the drive. Fired in the sense that this business will collapse, will close down. So if you have that at the back of your mind all the time, it gives me more strength to keep pushing every single day. Well, talk about closed down, you know, when this um, pandemic started, you know, it's mm -hmm. like everything just shut down right away. Yeah. And, and the UK was, you know, reportedly giving people 80% of their um, paycheck, but mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, that wasn't the case. I know they now have figured something out for entrepreneurs, but how scary and, and what did you do when everything shut down? Nobody can touch anyone. No one can go anywhere. You guys had mm -hmm. a real lot lockdown compared yeah, to what we twice. had in America. How did you deal with that? Because that's real life. It is, and it can be very stressful as well. If you pull your mind on, you know, this is not coming in, that is not coming in. But what I'm learning that space of time is the fact that you, you look at, you know, you watch the news or you hear things, people are no longer with us. So the fact that you are, you are still here, that alone, you know, is, is a, a miracle that we should be thankful and grateful for. So whatever, you know, extra, when I'm saying extra, I'm trying to, to talk about money-wise, you know, that, that's me. For the next person, it will be different, but I didn't make that be like, 
you know, me start putting myself in stress mood or panic mood. No, I, I know that, you know, once things start changing, things will keep rolling and whatever I lost, you know, I will be able to regain. So that's how I process when there is something that I'm not fully in control of. Well, let's let's even go deeper. Teaching lesson. Things shut down. You have a, you know, business that no one can even come see you. How how for us in America, how did you survive? Because I know people that we both know who are in the UK and I remember what they were telling me and I I thought, you know, they were in great position some of them. And they're like, this is real. I mean, landlords don't have to get paid. Some people were really like, what the heck is going on? And I, I could only feel their pain to say, okay, what else can be done? But like when nothing, no income can come in, what, how did you manage? Like, was there anything that you said, you know what? I got to do, I got to do what I got to do. We're going to be out there. (laughs) Forget the government. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, no, it, you know, at the beginning, it, was, it wasn't like that because uh, the, the thing is, life is the main thing for me and I'm sure for so many people. So at the early stage, I wasn't so concerned about, you know, because it's not like there won't be food in the house. It's not like there won't be, you know, electricity or gas in the house. So all those things will be, always be covered. And those are the main things. So uh, at some point, when things start opening up, then I, I start, uh, you know, thinking about going to the post, to post, you know, orders for people. And then you're going to be meeting other people. You know, I try, I was trying to avoid, you know, crowded places or where there will be lots of people and stuff like that. But once things start opening, I just, you know, <laughs> you got to do this. Get out go in the post, start posting item, and, you know, get, make sure like, uh, you know, I prepare myself properly. And then with time, I just, you know, even forget about the fact that something is actually happening. I go there, do what I have to do, and then come back home. And so the closest that I can maybe relate is when the shelves were empty and everyone's like, how do we survive? <laughs> you know, the shelves are empty and you're like, this is madness. What do we do? Like, it's like a bad movie. So Mm -hmm. what in the UK was every, was every, was it the same thing? Shelves are empty. Yeah. You're finding the, you're finding the rice in the back of your, you know, shelves and saying, I didn't even want to eat this rice because it was balsamic and I only like, uh, uh, Jasmine or whatever, you know, but so it it was the same thing. And as an entrepreneur here, you have product, but the last thing people are thinking about is clothing. So, yes. <laughs> so, so, I, so I just wanted to go into a deep dive of what's real for people, because mm-hmm. we talk about mm-hmm. money and progress, but just being able to eat or being able to wipe your behind when you're done using the restroom. Um, it was real for the entrepreneur unless you were in the toilet paper business. So, yeah. <laughs> and food. Yeah. Those are the main, you know, essential stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what was funny? In certain places in America, there, you know, yes. all the frozen food, everything was gone, but folks still had vegetables there. And I'm like, people, you know, because we're so used to processed. I mean, like, yeah. you can get your bell peppers, get some onions, get, you know, yeah. some of that sweet potato. All the fresh stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you, you as a entrepreneur, as a mother, I'm going to say now as a model, because, you know, you are all over your Instagram, taking advantage of what God has given you. What role do you, you know, what role do you play? You know, because you're doing all these things, you're playing every position, but what's your favorite position to play? And what do you want to do with that position? My favorite position is, you know, the first, the first one for me is being a mother. So that's like the favorite one because when the first time I, I you know, I, uh, my daughter was born and I was like, did I actually, not, not that I'm the one that, that created her, but the sense is like, wow, this really comes from me. So everything I do, they come first. So they, they, that's like the number one position. And uh, is a, the, the biggest responsibility anyone, you know, will have on their hands. So, uh, you know, their well-being, their welfare, and make sure they're doing extremely well at school. And, you know, mentally, they are, things are good. They are happy. You know, those are the things that comes first that are very, very important for me. And then secondary is my business. And like you, you put it so well together. I'm the one doing everything. So sometimes it can be quite challenging, tiring, but you have to remember in the first place why you started and keep pushing. And as an entrepreneur, some mm. people have one business. Some people are serial entrepreneurs. What type yeah. of entrepreneur are you? <laughs> I would say I'll go for the second one, the serial one. Like, you know, it's not only um, the clothing line. I also have other things, you know, on the side. Like, uh, for people that, that don't know, I do offer French classes. That also, you have to take time to prepare the lessons. That's one thing. And, uh, you know, apart, apart from that, there are other things I'm working on as well which is, you know, to deal with other people. So that as well, I have to be committed to that because I'm the type of person that if I say yes, my yes is yes. And I'll do everything to make sure that thing is a success. So uh, yeah, it's more than one business, that, you know, I have to focus on. So it can, it can be quite a lot sometimes, but if you love what you're doing and I, I'm the type that I like being so productive. So, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And talk a little more about the French lessons. If people, you know, want to tap in to, you know, learning French, how does that work? What type of time commitment must they have as well as the cost? Well, when it comes to the time, I'm very, very flexible in the sense that you have to understand that, you know, you are over there in the state, I'm here in London. So what time works best for the student? 
they will tell you, and then you work with that. Some people prefer the weekend because weekdays they are so you know busy, so they can't commit to attend class and stuff like that. And I have one guy over there in LA. Guess what? He attend his class at two a.m. Your wow. time. Wow. Yes. So that's how committed he is. So uh, you know, I work with uh, whatever time is suitable for uh, every student and the course, you know, it depends everyone what they want to do. I do have the intensive course where you do two to three uh, hours a week. That one, you know, is the fast track one, if we can put it like that. So it really gives you the confidence, you know, to, to learn quicker and be fluent as quick as, you know, it can be. Because one thing is for me to to give you what you need another thing is for you to keep practicing because that's important with languages and it's okay uh, our is 15 dollars per hour so that's uh when it comes down to the cost that's what it is so some people prefer doing uh, you know uh, two hours a week that's absolutely fine some prefer one hour those that you know they are not so much in a hurry so it depends on everyone again, what they want and uh, what their goals are. And don't forget the price, because I want before anybody reaches out, I want them to know at least the range they need to be in. Because some folks will say, oh, man, two hour class for five dollars and, you know, really try to, you know, get over. Um, so <laughs> explain that, please. Yeah, two hours. That's thirty dollars a week. So the, the, the setting is, you know, you pay up front for the classes. So if you're going for the two uh, hours a week one, I will give you the price. If you want three hours, then I'll give you that price as well. If it's one hour, then it's straightforward, $15 a week. Okay. So, you know, per month, you know, exactly, you know, uh, the, the, the cost, which will be $60. So very very affordable again is about encouraging people you know to learn other languages so they don't end up thinking oh because of the language barrier i can't go here or i can't do business in this country or that country and it's always good anyway i don't know about the next person mm -hmm. but to be able to speak different languages is, is a beautiful and very important thing and that's that's lovely. Now, what about in Togo, any of the um, traditional languages? Do yes. you do you do teach that as well? I do. I do teach airway. Yeah, that's the oh. language mainly spoken um, in uh, Lome, which is the capital city. And then some part of uh, Ghana, the Volta region part and uh, some part, uh, some region as well in Benin Republic. So away to teach away as well oh wow so it's multi-talented that's and that's why the high value you know folks follow you with, with all the success that you have had and that you're gonna have because the best is yet to come what is a community give back that you are doing or that you plan to do in the future I, as a mother first, you know, that children will be uh, like my main, my, my heart will be drawn towards them in the sense that I want a child that is on this planet that never ask or sign any document to be here. 
So I want them to be happy. So I'm currently working uh, with um, an organization called uh, Black Purse, which is actually um, based in Sierra Leone. But uh, uh, you know, with time, we're going to expand it all over Africa, where we are helping mothers and children, you know, in need to be able to, you know, be the best they can be. Not thinking about oh, because I can't pay my school fees, uh, you know, I can't go to school, or you know, they don't have the right clothing. You know, sometimes it's also cold in some part of Africa that people don't know. So make sure you know. We put stuff in place to send to them and also whatever we can do to help when we can with the, the scholarships. So that's uh, what I'm working on right now. But, you know, with time, definitely, you know, I have uh, someone else in Ghana that also approached me and they are doing similar things, but in a big, you know, in a very different level in the sense that they are building communities for not only the continentals, uh, brothers and sisters, but they opened also to the diaspora to, to join. So uh, I have that as well on the list. So when uh, I visit and I will be working on that because they want to be in Togo as well. So I have to see certain people to make sure we start the work. Okay, and you know, I, I know, um being a woman and having daughters and I mean, who runs the world? Girls, but I say women, right? The, <laughs> yeah. being from West Africa and mm -hmm. women, getting, get it, women getting more power, more education than they've ever been allowed to, which is a beautiful thing. Mm. What, are you, what are your thoughts on bride price? Uh, should we get rid of it? Or is it, you know, should, I don't care who you are. You could be from Yale, Oxford, whatnot. You know, bride price should stay a traditional thing. Definitely. <laughs> it should stay. We can't get rid of it. That's what makes, you know, it's part of our culture. It's part of who we are. It's something that, you know, women or girls look forward to that that they will come. And men as well have that in mind. I will say, okay, in this generation now, the, the high value, the high value one will have that in mind that, you know, you don't just go and grab and, you know, do whatever with someone's daughter or you do things properly, you know. So bright, uh, the bright price should definitely stay. Okay, because, you know, there's different places, but even in West Africa, you know, folks have been fighting for years, decades, all that. We want to stop bride price. And, it's, and, and now with even more interracial dating, I have um, an associate who he married an African woman and him being white, Mzungu, you know, a, wow. a brony, he, he said, I just, he's like, I, I was against it because to me, the way our history is. So he made a deal with his in-laws that he would always help them, but giving upfront money um, just seemed too much like slavery. So I just wanted to, you know, get your, your take on it because everybody's coming from a different place. Hmm. Well, <sighs> okay. I'll use the example of uh, one of my sisters. And, you know, she was also... You know, she's married to a bazunga, let's say like that. But he went through all the process. So, uh, you know, I don't know 
but it depends what the other family you just mentioned allow him to do and what they are comfortable with. But personally, if you know that's what we do, that's what we do. If you want me, you have to follow through. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love it. I I love getting the game because I can. It allows me to see everybody's perspective Especially. and mm. and and where they're they're coming from, and not telling people. You know, I can't tell you if you're right or wrong. I can just tell you, show more love. That will tell you if you're right or wrong. Love will always <laughs> tell you. You know, um, there's there's folks in the Bible who they had to throw concubines next to them to see if they were dead king david um he had a lot of love to give so we wonder we wonder why the 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 seed of david and those are just you know i got a lot of love to give and if you can afford it um you know give it but make sure it's love and not lust i yeah. thank you i thank you for coming on here folks you do not know for someone like Kai, how difficult she came out of her comfort zone of being asking the questions to being asked. She had no idea what I was going to say. I put her <laughs> on the spot and, you know, she's like, oh, my goodness. But there was somebody from the UK who told me, can you try to shorten these? Don't make them too long. So this is what we call a kind of a quickie. And I appreciate you, Kai, for coming and giving the game. <laughs> Same here, bro. Thanks so much, Kellen, for having me on. I had a great time. And uh, yeah, hopefully I will be back soon. Anytime, <laughs> Kai. That person I was talking to uh, about people who said it was too long was Kai. I told her that beforehand. But I want to bring you guys in on the inside joke. So you guys been blessed by the game. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Yeah.